The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's message is a sermon preached back in 2015 when same-sex marriage was about to become legal in the United States of America. Sometimes we as preachers are criticized for singling out that particular sin and our sermons are often categorized as hate speech. But the reason I believe the Lord led me to preach upon that back then is because it was so prevalent a sin in that day, and it still is today. That's why I believe the Lord led me to focus upon that particular issue, not because that that sin is any worse sin in the sight of God than any other sin, but it happens to be the sin that is most in your face in our modern culture. And many of God's children are caught up in that sin, or at least misunderstand the seriousness of that sin because they don't know what the Word of God says about it. While the sin may have been different, the problem was the same in Hosea's day. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, God told Hosea to write, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's important to notice that this is written to God's people, not to the unregenerate reprobate. There were many of God's children in Hosea's day who were destroying their lives on earth because they did not know what the Word of God said. My friend, that's the primary problem among God's children today. In particular, in the issue of same-sex marriage, many of God's children just don't know what the Word of God says. And too often we're accused of engaging in hate speech when we speak the truth. I recognize that we can preach this truth without love, but the loving truth of God's Word is that God has established marriage in a certain way as a union between a man and a woman, and it will always work best the way He set it up. Join us today as we look at the truth of God's Word on this important issue that is so relevant to modern society. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Here in the of my Lord, I... 
Hosea this morning and let me just set the stage for you with Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who prophesied in a time of great trial. If you go back to the very first chapter and you look at the first few verses, the first verse actually, we're told that he prophesied in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And when you turn back over to the books of first of uh, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles and read about the, the, uh, the reigns of those four kings, you're going to find that it was a time of great decline. Now, Hezekiah was one of the greatest kings. Uh, things came back up towards the end of Hosea's ministry. But when he began to minister and prophesy there in the, in the nation of Judah, uh, it was a time when he could see the writing on the wall, so to speak, because Uzziah was a king who was a great king, but he became lifted up with pride toward the end of his life. And he tried to go in and usurp the authority of the, uh, of the priests and burn incense to the Lord. And they withstood him to his face, and the Lord struck him with leprosy for what he had done. And, and from that day forward, he had to live in a, what's called a separate house, a several house. He was away from the main population. He couldn't fulfill his duties, and his son Jotham took over. And so Uzziah, Uzziah uh, left church, so to speak, over troubles. And then Jotham, we're told, was a pretty good king. He'd been raised in church, but then it said after that point, he never set foot in the temple. So Jotham never went to church, if you will. And then... Ahaz, the grandson of Uzziah, comes on the scene. And Ahaz was one of the worst kings in the history of the nation of Judah. He made his sons pass through the fire. That means he sacrificed them on the altars to Molech, one of the Baalish gods over there in the land of Canaan. Uh, he slew the prophets. He, he destroyed the temple. He closed up the temple. He went in and took the items that were in the temple and cut them in pieces. And in fact, this kind of uh, um, sort of gives me chills when I read it over in the second, I believe it's the 27th, 28th chapter of Second Chronicles. Uh, when, when the writer is describing what he's done, he, he sort of interjects and there. He said, this is that Ahaz. He, this is the one. This is the one you've heard about, in other words. Your mom and daddy has told you bedtime stories about this evil, wicked king. This is that Ahaz. Oh, how horrible it would be to be pointed out in that way. And then Hezekiah comes on the scene and a great reform occurs. But in the, in the, the time when Hosea is writing here and prophesying, there's a great decline in the nation of Israel. And I want to tell you, we live and preach in and try to serve the Lord in a time of great trial. 
Is that not what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1? He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he begins to call the role of the problems. He says, For men shall become lovers of their own selves. And he goes on to specify how, how men act when they become lovers of their own selves. And you can read that list sometime when you have time. Beloved, it parallels the time of Hosea. Now, That'll give us a little background as we get to Hosea chapter 4. What was the real problem? What was the problem in the time of Hosea? I believe he sums it up in verse 6, and I'm only going to read the first part of that verse. He says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And if you go back up to verse 1, you're going to find, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And he goes on to call the role here of the things they're doing, swearing, lying, cheating, stealing, committing adultery, uh, causing, uh, shedding innocent blood, and so forth. And he says in verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, beloved, I want to tell you the problem in our society today is the same problem that was in uh, Hosea's day. The people of God, the, 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 the little precious sheep of the Lord that are out there in the world are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want to talk to you about that this morning and the time that we have. And I want to focus on one particular problem that is very prevalent today, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to show you, first of all, the purpose of the Word of God. The problem in society is that people don't know the Word of God. People are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. In the world today, if you ask most people to tell you what, uh, what the Word of God is all about, what God is all about, they might say things like, well, God is love, God loves everybody, God is just whatever you want to make Him. You know, your God is good for you, my God is good for me, and we'll just leave it at that. We're all working toward the same place. We're all spokes on the same wheel. You know, various things like that. But beloved, people in the world today are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. What's, what is the purpose of the Word of God? And in, its, in its most basic sense, what is the purpose of the Word of God? The Word of God is intended to expose sin for what it is. It's intended to expose sin for what it is. That's why the people of God were perishing in Hosea's day. Because they didn't know the Word of God. They didn't understand what it was all about. In chapter 7 of Romans, in verse 12, he says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. And now people today will criticize the Word of God and they will, they will run it down. They will laugh about it. I saw an article in the newspaper, uh, or, or it was online, I'm sure it was in the newspaper, the Birmingham News, uh, about um, uh, just a parody of what God's Word says about homosexuality and same-sex marriage and what marriage is. And, and it was, it was uh, the, the way I saw it was on Facebook and uh, someone there had written, this is really funny, and, and look at it. And they were laughing about the Word of God. They were putting it down. And, and, I, and I, I get chills when that happens. And, 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 and because God's Word is not something to be laughed about. It's something that's holy. And it's, the commandment is holy. And it's just and it's good. Even the law, which was the Word of God that was given up to that point where Paul is writing here. Even the law, which we're not under anymore under the ceremonial law. Even the law was holy and just and good. You see, the problem with... 
with, uh, uh, with under the law was not the law. <laughs> the problem was us. The problem was people. You know, the law was fine. People would say, well, I don't like the law. Well, the law is not the problem, beloved. You're the problem. I don't like that law that says you've got to drive 55 uh, on most roads. Uh, I don't like that law. And, and I get stopped all the time. I get pulled over. I just don't like that law. The problem's not the law. The law is given to keep you safe. <laughs> the problem is you. <laughs> the problem is me. We're the problem. You see, the law here in particular was holy. You know, these laws that men make are not holy. Uh, hopefully they're good laws. Some of them aren't, but most of them we hope are. But the law of God was holy. The Word of God is holy and just and good. And then listen to what he says. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, work, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now here you get to the purpose of the Word of God. One of the purposes, one of the main purposes, which is to expose sin as exceeding sinful. Now there's a sense in which every regenerated child of God, when you're born again, that, that child of God who's been born again has an idea that sin is sinful. You know, you've heard the the experiences shared with us of people who have lived in a certain way and never really sat under the teachings of the Word of God and, and they're born of the Spirit and something's different in their lives. They feel something different. They feel the burden of sin. They feel, uh, I always go back to use Brother Martin Hanyani from Kenya. He told that his experience was that he had no problem going out and staying out all weekend, getting drunk and being uh, abusive almost to his wife and, and not focusing on his family. And then one day he did have a problem. One day he woke up and things, weren't, things were different. And he had a sense that there was something wrong in his life. But what the Word of God does when he finally sat under that is he, he came to the point of seeing that sin was exceeding sinful. Sin was not just something that I ought to be a little bit upset about. I see it now as exceedingly sinful in the sight of God. We have an example of that in the Word of God over in Second Chronicles chapter 34. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 34, we read about a good young man named Josiah who had also lived in a time of great trial. His grandfather was one of the worst kings in the history of the nation of Judah. Uh, but in his time, he, in eight, when he was eight years old, he began to reign in Judah. And we're told he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord in verse 2 of chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. He, he knew that there was something wrong about what was going on in Israel that day in Judah and, uh, and he, he decided to make some changes. He had a sense that there was something wrong. And so what he did was he went went back to the temple and reopened the temple and he sent Hilkiah the high priest and all the other priests in there. And then, then we continue reading about that experience. We're told that uh, in verse 15 that Hilkiah said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again and telling him that everything had been done. And then in verse 18, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now listen to what happened. 
This king had a sense that there were problems in Israel. He had a sense that things needed to be changed. But when he read the word of God, when it was read to him, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And he commanded Hilkiah and several others uh, to go, in verse 21, inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do all after all that is written in this book. The people of God and even the king himself had no idea what the word of God said in that day. But when he had a sense that something was wrong, he clearly had been born of the Spirit already. But when the word of God came, sin that he recognized as sin became exceeding sinful to him. And the wrath of God was something that he began to fear because he said, what we've been doing is so wrong. It's not, I, I felt that it was wrong. Now I know that it's wrong in the sight of God. Oh, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People today are ignorant of the Word of God. They're destroyed for this lack of knowledge. You know, um, I had a conversation recently with someone on the issue of same-sex marriage. And this person said, you know, I just really don't care about it. I just don't think it's a big deal. This person's a churchgoer and a person who, uh, uh, who is, um, tries to live right. And said, you know, I just don't think it's that big a deal. I just let them do their thing, we'll do our thing, and leave us alone. And it's not a big deal. Oh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What does the Word of God say about it? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I know it's a hard subject. I know it's a, 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 a downer subject. But I hope that in the time we have that you'll understand by the end of the message that this is not something to be down and out about. It's something to be working on and to, uh, to be praying about. And there is hope. You see, the preeminent sin that I see in our society today is this idea of same-sex marriage, homosexuality. I, the, the, the headlines of the Tuscaloosa News this morning, same-sex marriages to begin tomorrow. Beloved, we're on the eve of it. It's going to start tomorrow unless the U.S. Supreme Court intervenes, and I have no confidence that they will. And so uh, the options that we have is to say is to take the, the approach of, oh, it doesn't matter, just let them do their thing and let us do our thing, or, or the, option, uh, the, the other option that we ought to avail ourselves of is to see what the Word of God says about it. And I want to tell you before we start, this is not a message of hate. This is not a message of, I hate those people that are engaged in that. And if it ever becomes that, then you need to repent, beloved. We need to repent of that because I'm going to tell you there are children of God out there that are caught up in that lifestyle. I believe there are little sheep of the Lord out there that have been deceived by the world and have been deceived by all kinds of problems such as drugs and alcohol and coming on down uh, in, in a lifestyle that ends up in something as awful as this. Beloved, I believe that our job as a church is to preach the truth to them Amen. in love, in love. And I want to tell you this. I believe religion in America is one of the primary problems. Whenever you deviate from the truth, whenever you get away from it, Let's, let's, let's give you the disaster results. Let's, let me give you this example. I've probably used it before. But let's say you take a ship, you, you board a ship in New York Harbor, and you're headed to London, England. But when, when the captain sets the course as he gets out into the open seas, he's one degree off. He's one degree off. Where do you think he's going to end up? That's not much of a deviation, is it? Oh, but by the time, by the time you cross the ocean, you're going to be in Africa. 
You're not going to be in London. You're going to be somewhere around the, uh, the Rock of Gibraltar or, or even further away than that. And beloved, the problem, one of the main problems in, a, in America today is that religion has taken the approach. They've gotten away from the truths of grace. They've gotten a tr- away from the truths of God's Word on, on grace itself, on salvation itself. And that leads you from there into further error. What are you talking about, preacher? Let me, let me, let me share something with you. I got this out of uh, an article that I read online this week, this past, maybe two weeks ago, when all of the same-sex marriage stuff began to occur and be in the news. And there's a, there's a pastor, and I'm, I haven't used his name, I've, I've left it out, but there's a pastor of a church in Birmingham. And this is what, um, this is an example of how deviation from the truth can lead you to this kind of error. It says, this is pretty much a quote, the pastor of a 560-member church in Birmingham preached a sermon in 2013 called, Is Homosexuality a Sin? He concluded that it wasn't. And here's an example of how false teaching influences pastor. Now listen to this. Listen carefully. Last summer, a person attending the church accepted Christ and asked to be baptized. This person was homosexual and in the homosexual lifestyle, actively. The pastor said, I baptized him. Four weeks later, he fell down dead of an aortic aneurysm. This pastor believes a soul may have been saved because of his stance of welcoming homosexuals. Now, that hit me hard because let me tell you something. If I believed that my job, if I believe the Bible taught that it's up to the church to go out and get people saved to eternal heaven, I might be tempted to compromise on my stance concerning a lot of things. Just get them in. Just get them in here because it's up to us to save them. It's up to us to preach the, uh, to them to try to convince them to make a decision for Christ. Uh, it's up to us to make a, uh, try to get them to do something in order to be saved to eternal heaven. Beloved, if I believe that, I might be tempted to compromise in the way this pastor has. You see how deviation from the truth of salvation by grace alone can lead you to error such as this? That's why we have uh, churches in the world today that are entertainment centers, that aren't focused upon the worship of God, that have built uh, uh, bigger, torn down buildings and built bigger in order to get more in, in order to entertain them with all kinds of activities and programs. Beloved, let me tell you, the Bible teaches us that we are to simply worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I'll tell you this, the Word of God as to salvation is that He shall save His people from their sins. Praise God for that. Praise God. God, the burden of eternal salvation is not upon my back or upon your back because if it were up to me, I would still be going to hell. I've said this before and I say it again that we're in such a condition in nature that if we, that we could not come to Him if we would and we would not come to Him if we could. Where do you get that, preacher? 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural man that is the man who has never experienced the new birth, the man who's only been born in nature. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. You wouldn't come to me for foolishness, would you? You wouldn't say, well, I need to be saved. I'm going to go to him for some foolish advice. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't come to me if you could. He said, then neither can he know them for they are spiritually discerned. You couldn't come to him if you would. But let me tell you, you wouldn't come to him if you could. That's 
a great dilemma. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus says in John chapter 3. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Uh, never the twain shall meet. It takes, it takes an act of the Holy Spirit upon the heart of the, the one who's a child of God to regenerate that one and turn him into uh, to a, a vessel that can worship and serve God. Praise God. That's not what we believe the Bible teaches. See, this poor pastor here, this poor man who is under the burden, he's bearing a burden that even our, as Peter says, our fathers nor we were able to bear in Acts chapter 15. He says, I've got to get them saved for eternity. So I'll do whatever it takes. Beloved, when you understand the truth of grace, that God will save His people from their sins, that we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that uh, in time the Holy Spirit... You know, what does He say in Romans chapter 8? You hear often about the Roman road to salvation. I've got you the Roman road to salvation. It's Romans chapter 8 and verses 28, 29, and 30. Uh, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. What are the all things under consideration here? Verse 29, for whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, And and moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Whom He called, them He also justified. Whom He justified, them He also glorified. He didn't lose a one in that transaction, did He? (laughs) Everyone He knew beforehand. Every one of those He predestinated. Everyone He predestinated, He called in time through the Holy Spirit regeneration. Everyone that He regenerated, everyone He called, He justified on the cross. Oh, one day they'll all be glorified. We need to be preaching truth, you see. The problem in the world is that my people perish for lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge of the truth of God's Word. In the Birmingham News, there was an op-ed piece this week in regard to same-sex marriage. And it it said this, and this is the general feeling in the world today. Religions are grocery stores with many shelves, and you get to pick what you put in your cart. If you want to shop for junk that's going to make you sick, that's your prerogative. If you want to stick to the outer aisles where most of the unprocessed, healthy things are, you can do that too. And then he quotes a modern translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And he says, so I'm going to put that in my basket. And when I get to the checkout line, if I see a few same-sex couples here and there who want to get married, I'm going to be happy for them and wish them the best. Because the definition of marriage, listen to this, is between two people. They define what it means to them the same way couples may write their own wedding vows without any editing from the government. That's a horrible place to be. It's a scary place to be. And I know none of you are there. But I'm telling you this, you need to understand what's going on in the world. Yeah. And we need to understand how to deal with it. Now, in the time we have, let me just, let me just ask the question, what does God say about this? What does God say about it? God has ruled homosexuality, same-sex marriage, a grievous sin. You know what God says about marriage? <laughs> you say, well, the Lord, you know, Jesus never mentioned marriage. That's one thing they always come back to. They say, well, Jesus never said anything about marriage. It's all Paul. All contraire, my dear, as they say. I can take, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. It says, It came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee, and it says, A great multitude followed him. Verse 3, The Pharisees also came to him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? 
Now he's talking about divorce here. Now listen to what Jesus himself says. He answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What God therefore hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Amen. Beloved, what is marriage in the sight of God? It's a man and a woman coming together. You know, it started back, that's the one institution that survived the fall of Adam. Oh, you're going to hear a lot about this in a few months, John Morgan and Meredith. You're going to hear a lot about... The fact that this institution survived the fall and we better keep it sanctified and holy in our lives. I'll tell you, beloved, in chapter 2 over there, it says that the, of Genesis, uh, the Lord God in verse 18 said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. He's going to make a helper that's appropriate for him. Perfectly appropriate. Just like God doesn't make no junk, as that saying is out there. God didn't create something something that needed to be improved on. Uh, he, he created something that's perfect and holy and will endure. And He formed the beasts of the field. <laughs> he brought them before Adam. But it says in verse 20, For Adam there was not found a help meet for him. So what did he do? He put Adam to sleep. He, he didn't take the woman from an animal. He didn't form a new creature out of the dust. It says he, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman Amen. and brought her unto the man. And guess what Adam said? I don't like this. I think you could have done better, Lord. No. He said... This, I can just see the light going in his eyes. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so thankful. Uh, you know, our, our anniversary is coming up next weekend. And, uh, and I try to keep this in memory all through the year, but sometimes we lose it, man. You know, you forget about it. But can you remember, those of you that are married, the first time you either talked to or laid eyes on your wife, it's just like, wow, this is her. I can remember when we first started dating. And we said, you know, just a week or two into this, I mean, it was like jumping a rabbit, Brother Mackey. You know, you, you out here looking around. I, I need to quit using these. Tim said I need to quit using my wife. As a, but, it's, you know, you get out here. I've been, been looking over here. She'd been looking over there. And then all of a sudden, we got together, and boom, we were off to the races. I'll just tell you, it was, it was a, an amazing thing. We knew within a week or two that we were, to be, we were to be together. And it was just like a light went on in my mind. And I hope it was that way for her. I'm not sure it was. Light may be going off now. But, but the light went on, and, and we were together from then on for, for every weekend from, from there on out. And it's just, you know, I remember that feeling. I think that's the feeling that Adam had right here. When God, he woke up, he said, am I dreaming? This, this, not some guy over here. Not Steve, Eve, right here, okay? This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Whew. What does God say about marriage? What did Jesus say about marriage? It's between a man and a woman. That's the way he created it. Now, I don't have time to finish this message today. Our time's about gone. Let me just close with this little, little bit. As 
I said earlier, this isn't a message of hate. Now, it would be classified as that out in the world. God tells us the real problem. You say, what's the problem in America? Same-sex marriage. No, that's not the problem. What's the problem in America? Abortion. No, that's not the problem. Those are symptoms of the problem. Look with me over to Ezekiel. Over in Ezekiel chapter 16. You want to know what the real problem is? Everyone's familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah. And by the way, in the 13th chapter of Genesis, we're told that these men of Sodom were sinners exceedingly before the Lord. And in the 18th chapter of Genesis, when God comes down to go spy it out, so to speak, and look and see what's going on, He says, I'm come down here to see. Their cries come up before me. He says, their sin is very grievous. Very heavy, in other words. So what was the real problem with Sodom? In the 16th chapter of Ezekiel, chapter 49, he tells us exactly what the problem was. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. What was it? Pride. We know better than God. We're lifted up before God. Instead of bowing down before this thrice holy God that John Morgan told us about, this God who has all power and in in many senses is just raw power that that can do all things and, and He has His way in the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the land. And not only that, has come down to speak to us in a whisper at times and sent His Son to die for us on the cross. Sacrificed everything for us. We know better than Him, and we don't want Him. Let us, the second chapter of Psalms, the kings of the earth were gathered together. They said, let us break His bands asunder. We're going to be lifted up with pride. Pride, fullness of bread, prosperity is almost always the downfall of a nation. Almost always. You know, I don't have any problem calling on God when I'm in the valley. I don't have any problem calling on God beside the deathbed. I don't have any problem calling on God in the hospital or at the mortuary, wherever I am. I don't have any problem. But it's when I have problems calling on God is when I'm filled up with prosperity and my things are going my way and I forget Him. Fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. That old saying that idle mind is the devil's playground is true. This was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride and fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. She wasn't a minister. She was a taker. She wasn't giving to people. She was taking all she could. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. How does God look upon what's going to happen in Alabama tomorrow? Grievous. Wicked exceedingly. Abomination. There's hope. Let me tell you, there's hope. You know what that hope is? Well, I don't have time to say much about it this morning. But it's called the kingdom of God. It's called the church of the living God. It's called the place where I have chosen to put my name, as the Lord says. And that's our job, beloved. That's our jobs. We don't need to be afraid to speak the truth. We don't need to be able to be afraid to stand up. I'm not afraid in here, but we don't need to be afraid to stand up out there. Speak it in love. Speak it in love. Beloved, the prodigal son 
I don't know what all he got into. But he could very well have gotten into something like this. Who knows? But I'm telling you, beloved, that prodigal son was a child of God. You know what brought him back? The truth. He remembered what he had, the truth of what he had in his father's house. Beloved, we need to be preaching that. We need to be teaching that. It's not hate to tell someone who's caught up in this lifestyle you need to get out of it. It's a bondage. It's a burden. It's something you can't bear and it will lead you to destruction. I say that on the authority of the Word of God. But the church is the place where we need to be working. We need to be preaching. We need to be teaching. and We need to be loving one another and all the little sheep that the Lord sends our way. May the Lord add His blessings to these words. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.